0: This is Annie. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. This is part two of our fan fiction extravaganza because, surprise, surprise, we were very excited to talk about fan fiction. Um, if you haven't caught the first episode, go check it out. It was kind of more of a primer, the history, What what is this fan fiction thing? And in this episode, we're going to look more into why it's mostly women writing fanfiction and Slash.
1: Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I had no idea there were so many ins and outs to fanfiction. I thought it was going to be something that was sort of a quick overview. But when you actually look at the history, there's so much going on and it's so gendered. After part one of this episode aired, I was having a conversation with a friend, and I was like, oh, we were talking about fan fiction. And he said, oh, isn't that a bunch of weirdos writing stories where Harry Potter and Gandalf have sex with each other? And I was able to say, no, that is a common fan fiction misconception. So I was pretty proud of how how useful the information about fan fiction turned out to be in my own life.
0: I'm proud too, Bridget. Good for you. <laughs> Standing up for fan fiction. But yeah, let's, let's dive right in, shall we? Let's do it. Yes, fanfic fear. That's what we're going to talk about. And it does largely seem to do with our anxieties around women and sexuality and male anxieties about women in the fandom.
1: Surprise, surprise. That's never come up here on the show. No, never, never.
0: Uh, and this fear of feminine media goes way back to. Take this quote from a pastor from 1864. "'I have seen a young lady with her table loaded with volumes "'loaded of fictitious trash, "'pouring day after day and night after night "'over highly wrought scenes "'and skillfully portrayed pictures of romance "'until her cheeks grew pale, "'her eyes became wild and reckless, "'and her mind wandered and was lost. "'The light of intelligence passed behind a cloud, "'and her soul was forever benighted. "'She was insane.' Incurably insane from reading novels.
1: Is he describing you? Is that what you look like when you read fan fiction? So I am a vampire. I wasn't planning (laughs) on (laughs) admitting it. Uh, Anne Rice is out to get me. Anne Rice is right to be hunting you, Dad. Wait, is she behind you? (laughs) That's why I
0: was so nervous before. Oh, no. I hope she doesn't listen to the show. She's going to come. She's going to come. I'm a vampire, though. Anyway, anyway, (laughs) according to a survey from Fanfic, the fanfic site AO3 that we mentioned earlier, an overwhelming majority of fanfiction is written by people who identify as women. More identify as genderqueer at 6% than male at 4%, and only 38% identify as heterosexual. When AO3 was first coded, it marked the biggest majority female independent coding project ever. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. As to age demographics, to go back to that whole horny teenagers are the only ones writing this, that's not true. It depends on which site you look at, but it probably skews slightly older than you'd guess, like college-aged outside of Wattpad, which we talked about earlier.
1: See, this doesn't actually surprise me at all, because I've often found that anything that involves sort of people-powered media, whether it's, you know, YouTube or independent content creation, those spaces tend to be heavily dominated by non-heterosexual men. So it's women, queer folks, non-binary folks, folks of color, like— Marginalized people really can find their voices in these alternative sources of, you know, creativity and media.
0: Yeah. I am kind of curious. I wonder how common it is for perhaps men to pretend to be women writing fan fiction. Or like choose a a name that maybe you couldn't get a sense of whether or not they were male or female. Sort of like how in, in the video game world, a lot of female gamers, including myself, would choose a masculine sounding name hopefully, that people would leave us alone. Like, I wonder, I'm just curious if there's kind of an embarrassment or maybe even male fanfiction writers feel like they'd be more accepted.
1: What was your fanfiction handle?
0: (laughs) It was Winded, W...
1: Y-N-D-E-D. What is that? What I, where did that come from? What's the origin of that? Oh, gosh, it's actually a really <laughs> embarrassing story. You don't have to tell it. You can, we can tell it off air. You can
0: still look it up. It it does exist, but there's nothing there. I deleted everything, unfortunately. I kind of wish there was something there for you. Maybe if I find, find them, I'll, I'll repost. <laughs> God, this is so silly. Once I snuck onto the hometown I grew up in, had a really fancy neighborhood. Really fancy. Well-known. And I was just kind of curious about what went down in there. So when I was eight or nine, I um, snuck in and I was looking around, and these police roll up and they had a bunch of like big dogs really scared me. And also, you know, I'm a, I'm a young kid, it's police. And they asked me what my name was and I panicked and I said, August Wind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe it? <laughs> was it August? Was it August? Tell me it was a windy night in August. <laughs> Uh, it was August. George Glass. It was It was August. And
0: I'd like It was clearly
1: Thank you for laughing at my name. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it being a like a, like a windy August night. What's your name? August Wind. And it was so clearly fake. But I, I, like,
0: did not abandon it. Like, I, I went all in. Down with the ship. And they are like, where are you from, August Wind? And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> neighbors down, they know me around here. August Wind, ask anyone. Like,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I asked.
0: <laughs> but then I turned it into, like, a pun, a play on winded, because, I you know, I was a, an emo teenager, and I, I was tired. I was winded. But also, I was staying with my roots of my bad fake name that I made up (laughs) when questioned.
1: That's such a good story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't one of my better fake names, but (laughs) you know, I gave you a swing and a miss, as they say, away from my embarrassing pin names. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word for our sponsor. Back. Thank you, sponsor. Here is a quote from Vox. There's a special ire reserved for the particular corner of the web where people make transformative works about the media they love. And given that this corner is primarily composed of young women, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that this ire is gendered. And also, apart from that, if you think about the gatekeeping of fandoms, it's largely done by men, and having women dominate this one particular aspect of fandom made a lot of men in the fandom uncomfortable like what are you doing this weird thing in my fandom for another article oh this is the one i mentioned earlier from uh the mary sue noted that the most vocal criticism of fan fiction is from male critics in an article titled when men write fan fiction it isn't fan fiction because it's academic
1: okay that's bullshit. first of all how is it that men are the most vocal critics of a of a, a landscape dominated by For me, that just tells you all you need to know about how men show up in this space. And that sounds hostile.
0: It is. It's really hostile. And I found so many articles written by men that were criticizing fan fiction. And they were just so condescending and like dismissive, just kind of insulting about the people who would do this and it was hard, yeah, misogynistic very it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and there are a lot of theories as to why women make up a majority of the fan fiction community one is that it allowed young girls and women traditionally excluded from fandom by default and from the world of professional writing and media making as well it provided the space that they could enter freely and create empowering storylines that they weren't seeing anywhere else or even if the storylines weren't empowering they felt empowered because they created them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know we're like a broken record on the show about this, but that really matters, you know. Feeling like you're the one who is the author of your own story, that matters so much. And even if it's not an empowering story, knowing that you have a voice and that you are have a seat at the table as a creator is important. And I just hate seeing men shit on it because of their own hangups around gender.
0: yeah. And it also breaks my heart about how a lot of the, like, dismissiveness of it is, like, these are young, stupid girls, like, young and, you know, like, fangirls. I I remember Kristen and Caroline did an episode on how we kind of deride the fangirl. It's a part of life where you're, you're growing and boys go through the same thing, but we don't are loving what they love.
1: And I think this is this is one of those times where I want to say, oh, we should do another episode on blah, blah, blah. But I've always thought that it's young girls who are the real kind of internet pioneers. Look at things like Tumblr. Look at things like meme culture. So much of that is fueled by very young girls online who are like left to their own devices. They really love this one thing. And they're going to go all in on it. And I think it's actually quite innovative. Like, we don't think of young girls and their fandom as purveyors of Internet innovation, but that's what they are. And we, because it's girls, because it's feminized, yeah. um, and because of our hang-ups around and anxieties around gender, people have to put it down. But if they could look at it with a fresh perspective, they would see, oh, these women and, and young girls actually are quite innovative. They're innovative creators who are you know, carving up their own space of the Internet.
0: Yeah, and I... I'm kind of again. I had a really, I had a really good experience with fan fiction. I'm sure this exists, like negativity exists, but for me, I didn't really stumble onto it. And I'm, I've been proud that generally nobody's making fun of another fandom, or at least if they are, they're like a, a quiet minority. So I like that. I, I think that you know, <laughs> write your One Direction fan fiction. I'm going to write my Harry Potter fan fiction. We're all just <laughs> creating these things here, and I like that that kind of judgment isn't there as much as you see with the male-dominated parts of fandom. Writing fanfiction may also give women that sense of community that we've talked so much about, which is even more important, research suggests, for lesbian and queer girls who wrote or found role models in slash fiction at times when they felt isolated. Elizabeth Minkle wrote in The New Statesman, my preferred explanation, and she's talking about why fanfiction is sort of dominated by women, is the idea that a vast majority of what we watch is from the male perspective authored, directed, and filmed by men, and mostly straight white men at that. Fan fiction gives women and other marginalized groups the chance to subvert that perspective, to fracture a story and recast it in her own way. It often feels as if there isn't much space for difference in the dominant cultural narratives. In
1: fandom, by design, there's space for it. I love that. And even though I'm not someone who is super into fandom— that's the thing i find so beautiful that it's it can be such an inclusive space where all different narratives get to be included.
0: Yeah. And we've touched on before having to prove your fandom as a woman or um fake geek girl fear. She's just faking it to infiltrate our fandom. And that's another thing that we'll have to return to, but it does play a role and i think in kind of the the hang-ups we have around fan fiction and all the the women writing it. This does bring us to Slash. It's time, it's finally time to talk about slash. (laughs) Okay, so first off, slash is not always pornographic, like I've said many times. In fact, it's more often than not, not pornographic. And it's important to keep in mind when we unpack why most slash is written by women. Just in case people aren't as tuned into this world as me, slash is male, two men together. That's non canon. So if we look down, if we break down readership demographics, It's generally a 50-50 split between heterosexual readers and queer readers when it comes to Slash. It can differ depending on the fandom and the site. And there are a lot of theories um, as to why Slash is such a phenomenon. And I have one that I am now totally on board with and has changed my view of most media. For a while, personally, I had a theory. It was because most well-developed characters we consume are male. Female options are limited. So most relationships we're seeing on screen are between... Two dudes I think everybody cop movie or Kirk and Spock. So we're just, we're, we're taking what we see and expounding upon it. Another idea, I read that in particular in Japanese fan fiction, a slash might be preferred because it removes the pressures of marriage and that little line item we call pregnancy. <laughs> no matter where you are, the female body is inherently political and it comes with all of this invisible baggage that male bodies don't. And we could do a whole thing about Slash in Asia. In Japan, where manga-based Slash is called Yayoi, the romance between two male characters usually still fits into the traditional, often regressive, masculine-feminine pairing. There's a pretty clear, like, this one was meant to be the masculine one, this one's meant to be the feminine one. It's pretty widely seen as a way for women to express their sexuality and desire and to experience the emotional aspects of relationships. 80% 80% of the attendees at the 2003 Yayoi Con in San Francisco were women. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Slash or Dan Mai is popular among heterosexual women self-identified as rotten girls in China, too. An estimated 275 million people read slash fanfiction in China. Researchers into why posit it's because women like reading Dan Mai because it's a way for women to rebel in a society that expects women to be obedient. Owners of the sites hosting Dunmai can be jailed by the government, and the readers are often described as needing psychiatric help. And a criticism I see about Slash fairly regularly is that it makes it harder for gay men or gay characters to have platonic relationships, and that it fetishizes and objectifies gay men, particularly in more visual mediums like Yaoi, which is, yeah, traditionally more visual. A counterpoint to that is that A decent portion of the women creating Slash are not attracted to men. And almost all of the women writing Slash grew up in a society that is prohibitive when it comes to women exploring their sexuality, one that shames women and objectifies their bodies. Male characters are a safe, shame-free way to dip your toe in and kind of a funny way it removes the male gaze that women have internalized.
1: It's so fascinating how women are using this medium to sort of explore their own sexuality, but not even necessarily in a overtly sexualized way if they're not actually ex- attracted to men.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is the one that is I feel like has kind of changed how I look at all media because like I said I never liked the sex part of slash, but I did like slash fan fiction because of the relationships in there and the more I think about it, the more I think it was because of this because it was a safer way. It it removed the female body does come with all of this stuff mm-hmm. that kind of almost takes you away from the story. You can't enjoy it as much because you, or at least I felt like as a woman, it almost makes me tense knowing she's going to have to deal with all of these
1: things. It's just like what you said before. Women's bodies are inherently political. And so if the point of you consuming this media is to sort of get an escape from that, it makes sense that including a sexualized female body would only sort of add to your anxieties. It wouldn't be that, like, escape that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, and we have penned so many things... Two women and that the way they behave. I, I read an article by someone else who was saying she realized when she got older that almost every character she'd ever written, almost every fan fiction she'd ever read, all had like men in them. Even though she's a feminist and she was trying to get to the bottom of why that is, and she thinks it's because women are almost always passive mm-hmm. or should be seen as passive, whereas male characters are men. They're active. They're aggressive. So you're telling a story, you want like an active character. You don't want a passive character. And I think we've internalized so much about what society tells us is how a woman should behave and what we see in media that it is hard to escape it if you introduce a a woman into a story, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. I think in the back of your head, there are all these assumptions that you're making that are perhaps making it hard to just enjoy it. After I read this, I started to think that maybe this is why we see so much bromance. As a culture, we've sexualized the female body so much that having a story with a female character played against a male character or another female character, it automatically becomes sexualized. Yes,
1: even if it's platonic.
0: Exactly. You're thinking in the back of your head. They're going to get together. Exactly. But that doesn't happen with two male characters for male viewers, which is what media is traditionally, has traditionally been made for, is male viewers, for the male gaze. And sometimes that comes through through the writer, through the director, or sometimes it comes through the audience, just as observing. We might be putting that on there. I would say a lot of times we're putting that there because that is what's been ingrained in us. But for so long, the female character has existed in the story solely for some kind of like uh, objectification or sexual aspect. That's why she's there. I think we're moving away from that, but I think that is one of the reasons, perhaps, that so many women are writing Slash as two male
1: characters. That hadn't even occur to me, but that makes so much sense.
0: Yeah. I, I did have a moment of, like, fan fiction. You're changing my view on the world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everything's making
0: sense now. <laughs> Over at the Hi-Hat, Melissa writes that Slash gives the author the chance to, quote, have the freedom of being male in their female bodies. I do think there is more freedom in the male body, I would say. And also, young straight men have a plethora of mainstream, accepted media to help them explore their sexuality.
1: Definitely. They have an abundance. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. Slash challenges gender norms, masculinity, femininity. I'm not sure the same fear would exist around male-authored femslash. If if it were men writing sex between two women, I'm pretty sure we would just be like, oh, men, you know, just doing man-to-man man. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a side note, in the article I was reading about the fear of fan fiction from Vox, they specifically call out the fact that despite having an all-male creative team, Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is one of my favorites, is popularly read and turned into a homoerotic love story between the two men. By Young Women, which as someone who dresses up as the winter soldier at conventions and sees this all the time for some reason in my (laughs) Pinterest feed, I really appreciated it. When I read that, I was like, yep, (laughs) I hadn't thought about it, but yes. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break for a word for our sponsor.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so you can probably tell I am no fan fiction expert, but this I found really, really interesting, and I wanted to include it. A quick note about celebrities. When reporters ask celebrities to comment on weird fan fiction, they are doing it to mock their fans. Probably neither the reporter nor the celebrity know about fan fiction, and that's fine. But then you wonder, like, why even talk about it at all? So there is this really infamous interview with Benedict Cumberbatch in Out Magazine that really did a lot of this kind of thing, demeaning people who read fan fiction, who write fan fiction, and who are excited about fan fiction. But those fans took one phrase from that interview, that phrase is quote lustful c- monster," and put it in art. One actually put it on a T-shirt, and the sales of that shirt. Go to the nonprofit behind AO3, the Organization for Transformative Works. So that just goes to show you that these innovators are taking a reporter, basically trying to make fun of them, making lemonade out of lemons and using it to raise money for a great cause that they care about. Who would have ever thought that lustful c- monster could generate such positive impact? My heart is fit to burst. <laughs> fit to burst. Do you own a lustful c-? You should have. If you had it, you would be wearing it today. I, I, yeah,
0: I didn't know this existed, but now I really want one.
1: And another show I
0: mentioned before, Supernatural, did a whole episode on fan fiction that's really difficult to explain without having the foundation of what that show is. But basically, the main characters have a cult following and stumble upon a high school that's putting on a musical about their lives. And this musical is almost exclusively put together by young women. It's pretty great because the two main characters of that show are pretty, like, macho dudes, and then they stumble upon these young ladies making a musical about their life. And at the end, one of the characters is like, look, I really don't like what you're doing, but I appreciate your right to do it, and you do it well.
1: Oh, I love
0: that. Yeah, and one of the actors from the show, Misha Collins... He has some really awesome quotes about fan fiction. For instance, when somebody asked him about Slash, because his character, as I mentioned earlier, Castiel and Dean, there's a lot of Slash about them, Destiel. When he was asked about it at a convention, he said, talking about Slash, I think it is a great cultural asset that unites the world and makes it better. Which is lovely. Which is lovely.
1: Author Danielle Beings wrote that her experience with fan fiction taught her that she wrote about common themes and would write with, quote, urgency, joy, and discipline. When she provided a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fiction as a sample for a previous work when applying for a writing program, she had to explain in her follow-up interview what fan fiction was and why she was drawn to it. It gave her the space to experiment with her voice freely and with characters and universes that she was comfortable with. And she got in and is now a two-time recipient of the Romance Writers of Australia Media Industry Award. So good for her. For all the men who are, like, looking down on it and shitting on it, it's actually changing people's lives. Absolutely. It's just kind of this beautiful
0: democratic thing. We have this industry of published fiction that has a lot of barriers, uh, barriers socioeconomically, even having access to education to get the degree that's going to get agents to sign you. Like, there are barriers, but in the world of fan fiction— at its best, and yeah, again, going back to Bink, she says fanfiction is a more accessible platform for writing and experimentation, and I'm all for it, and so am I. It's made me really, really happy to do this research, and also I really appreciate this world that we've kind of made for
1: ourselves. And Annie, I appreciate this master class in fan fiction. I feel like I could really teach a class now. Believe it or not, I cut a lot of stuff out. <laughs>
0: I was like, and here's a sample of a crossover. <laughs> like, I had a sample for everything. <laughs> you gotta calm down, Annie, or else we'll never leave the studio. <laughs> well, I hope that you listeners have enjoyed this as much as we have enjoyed putting it together. And please, if you're comfortable with it, send us some fan fiction that you've written. We're thinking about doing kind of a kind of a on ongoing series of reading fan fiction, perhaps with some like production value. yeah, we've got a we've got a little whole a project idea kicking around, so, yeah. Uh,
1: send us that fanfic
0: absolutely. And Bridget and I, I will jump in the fray. i I will read my fan fiction. I might. ok. I
1: might cool. we'll see. Okay. I got I gotta get I gotta like psych yourself. Yeah, up. yeah, I gotta psych myself up a little bit, ok. But speaking of asking people to send in their fan fiction, now it is time for some listener mail. Skyler wrote,
0: I wanted to share a small anecdote from my junior prom. We didn't have a specific dress code for prom other than formal attire and to use our brains on what is, quote, appropriate. It was definitely less strict than our school dress code. The administrators were more concerned with alcohol than dress to their credit. Anyway, there was a group of about 10 guys that chose not to wear shirts under their vest. Somehow that qualified as formal. They were confronted by the chaperones eventually
1: for jumping on and over tables. (laughs) Come to find out, she went to high school with the Chippendales dancers.
0: (laughs) Yes. That, that, That sounds like it could happen in a fan fiction, honestly. It
1: does. It does. Our next email is from Sarah. Sarah writes, I just listened to your episode on prom, and I thought it was so interesting. It really got me thinking about my own prom experiences. I never thought I would consider my school liberal, but when it comes to prom, it definitely is. We don't have a prom dress code, and two girls or two guys buy the couple's prom ticket all the time because it's cheaper than buying two singles. Listening to the controversies and activism around prom and comparing them to how my school handles the same issue was fascinating. I lit up when you mentioned how you wish you'd worn a suit to prom, because that's exactly what I did. I'd worn dresses to every single school dance before my senior prom. But I went on vacation to France a month before prom, and and Impulse bought these fabulous glittery pink saddle shoes. Of course, I had to base my entire prom look around them—my makeup, my jewelry, my manicure, and the vest and tie. My mom completely supported me, although I felt super awkward at first, as can happen when you're defying gender expectations— I got so many compliments. My other friends were complaining about how they couldn't breathe in their dresses, how their strapless bras kept slipping. But I got to be comfortable and stylish. Suits are the way to go, man. Um, Sarah, I'm like living vicariously through you. I, I wish I'd worn a suit to prom, and I wish I had had pink sparkly saddle shoes. She sent a picture,
0: and that was that was a dope outfit. That oh, so good, Sarah.
1: Well done. Yes.
0: Well done. Thanks to both of them for writing in. Thanks as always to our producers, Dylan Fagan and Kathleen Quillian. We would love to hear from you. Please send those fan fiction, please, or any other thoughts that you have. Um, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuff and on Instagram at stuff mom never told you.